When you're looking to fix your credit, there's just one place to turn. Creditrepair.instantoffer.co Let our professional staff assist you by offering best solutions to help you repair your credit by managing credit card debt and student loans and all derogatory items. Access to your credit report summary, credit report strategies without filing for bankruptcy, even get answers for all your questions you may have. That's creditrepair.instantoffer.co. Don't hesitate to give us a call at 323-577-7114 to schedule your appointment and quote today or go to creditrepair.instantoffer.co. Getting the low interest rate you deserve is easier than you thought. Visit Consumer Voice at consumervoice.org for the best deals in town. Whether you're looking for meal delivery, identity protection services, teeth whitening kits, life insurance companies, or for my favorite service, dog food delivery, Consumer Voice has got you covered with ratings and reviews of the best businesses and their products. They offer reviews of the best products in just about every category. Check out Consumer Voice at www.consumervoice.org for the best deals in town. Again, that's www.consumervoice.org. You're going to want to take your mask off for this one. It's Mikey J on KGUP Presents. I want you to put your hands together and welcome him to the stage. Big round of applause. Mothers, lock up your daughters. It's time to see Mikey J. Mikey J. Are you fucking with me? That boy is good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. And that was this and Girl Toy from Mike Hill's Love and War album, which brings us to our next guest. He's here with us today. He's originally from Vancouver, Canada, and he's toured all over the world for the last 15 years or so. And in 2007, he moved to Los Angeles and he's performed, co-written in and produced with numerous independent artists in the music industry. If you've ever been to a live show at Disneyland or California Adventure, you might have seen him on stage without even knowing it, especially with the uh, Disney's Mad Mad TV party band. He even created a documentary or should I say rockumentary called Love and War. It's a behind the scenes of what goes on to create an album from with no funds. And then six days before the Kickstarter ends, he he gets funded into finding the talent to make the album from beginning to album release. If you haven't heard this album, you should get to it. It's pretty damn good. He's worked with so many artists. 
even perform with my wife, Glitter, on many occasions. The list goes on and on. He's a writer and talent scout for Rock Seller Magazine. And to talk about this and more, I'd like to introduce Mike Hill Bass. <laughs> How's it going, man? Cue the applause. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Hi, how's Thanks it going? Thanks for having me on here. Yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, and this whole COVID thing is keeping us apart a little more. But I'm glad that you, I, I guess that we reconnected. And uh, I mean, this is, I think this is a perfect fit just to, and perfect timing in a way uh, mm-hmm. for this episode. Um, I heard that you are starting your second season or are we already in the second season? We're, we're in the second season right now. Okay. Well, congrats on that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so we'll be like fifth or sixth week, uh, depending on how this gets released. Cool. Great. Honored to be a part of it. Yeah. I mean, we've known each other for quite a while, but, you know, it's really just by passing like, oh, there's Mike and, you know, there he is again. (laughs) Right. But we never really hung out. You know, we got to see each other at NAMM. Uh, this past year, and we, I got to see you perform and play with uh, Keenan, who was also on the uh, Love and War project. Yeah, Keenan's uh, a great drummer. He's uh, one of my top guys. He's just an incredible drummer that is a go-getter, and that what he brings something new to the table behind the drums. What he does is he grabs your song. You know, he'll learn the song before your performance, and a lot of times we don't even have a rehearsal. We just you learn the songs and go, and he'll make he'll listen to parts in the song that not necessarily the the drummer hits in the in the original recording but he finds little vocal stuff you know maybe if there's a hit by the guitar and he'll emphasize those parts to make the song not just like playing the track you know live is he's making it a performance and as a musician that plays with him and someone that gets to share the stage and be on the stage with them is you really get to feel the energy from his playing and it makes you want to give more in that performance as well. So he's, uh, he's a really strong backbone to anybody that needs a drummer. Um, I highly recommend Keenan McBurney, um, who is actually still active in the military as a band leader. Um, really? And so, no yeah, when he's, uh, I mean, during this whole COVID thing, you know, a lot of us have been, we've lost gigs and stuff, but he's still, he's still maintaining his, his gig there with the, the U.S. Army. Wow, that's pretty amazing. You would I never mean, expect it looking at him. The military never shuts down, and so... And there's many bands within there, yeah. Wow, that's pretty cool. So tell us how you got into music. I mean, how, how far back does that go? Uh, it goes as far <laughs> back as seeing a picture of myself, I think about six years old, holding an accordion that my grandma, you know, had and gave to me, but it never kind of played out. I remember my first accordion lesson thinking it was just the dumbest thing ever, but I had to do it. And so I never thought it was cool. Uh, My grandma, you know, she's from Finland and she speaks Finnish and, you know, uh, broken English, but my mom and my mom and dad were, were into, you know, they're into music and, my dad was a big hippie, so he loved all the stuff from Woodstock and the Beals and Bob Dylan and Donovan. And so he would introduce and play that stuff. He was a big 50s and 60s music guy. Um, he's the guy that would, you know, drive a, a pickup truck with it, only an AM radio that picked up three stations. And it would be the 50s channel or the 60s channel. And then like 
the, you know, the news. So we were always riding in that pickup truck with fifties or sixties music. My mom played, she plays a little guitar and she had always has an acoustic guitar. So we, you know, she tried to get me into uh, acoustic guitar lessons and I tried that out. I had a terrible teacher who did not let me learn songs that I wanted to play. I had to play on top of old Smokey and, and Jingle Bells with two strings at a time. And all I wanted was a G chord. Right. And uh, so I quit guitar, left that in the closet. But it came down to being in my school. And I, was, I remember walking through the hallways and I heard, I'm sure that if I, if I went back in a time machine, listen, it was, it was probably just garbage. But what I heard was badass music. And what it was is a, a, a guy on saxophone who barely learned, he barely played his sax. And uh, a friend of mine who I didn't, had no idea that played bass. And I didn't even know what a bass guitar was. And he was playing bad to the bone while the sax player was trying to improvise in his own way. Uh, so it could have been, they could have been in two separate keys, who knows. But what I thought was, was something really cool. And, uh, you know, as any kid is like, what, what, what is that? You know, always, you know, the question like, what is that? And he's like, oh, it's a bass. I'm like, oh, okay. And I was like, I have acoustic guitar. He's like, well, it's the same thing. It has the same strings, you know, same, the same four strings. I could show you. And he was, you know, I could show you how to play the song. I'm like, great. So I showed up with my acoustic guitar, dusted it off. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm playing a cool song on this now. I'm not playing, you know, some janky song from my yeah. music lessons that I hated. And so I learned Bad to the Bone and I loved it. And I picked it up really fast. And so he's like, man, you picked that up really quick. I have this other bass, man. And he was trying to trick me. He, was, he had this beat up Fender bass, P bass. And it was laying around. And I guess they like, as kids, you do, you know, oh, this beater bass, they're like throwing it at trees and taking it snowboarding stuff. But I didn't know that till later. And he's like, man, I got this bass. You're really great at it. Um, do you want to buy it from me? I'm like, yeah, but I don't think I can afford it. He's like 20 bucks. Wow. I'm like, oh man. So I bought it for 20 bucks. He thought it was a deal. He thought I was pretty, he thought he was stealing from me by pretty much selling this space for 20 bucks but it started this whole career pretty much i had a base and i would just wow. sit in my bedroom and play without an app for years I taught myself you start a career for only 20 bucks <laughs> <laughs> that was it, yeah. sometimes it doesn't come from like giving your kid lessons and hoping they'll pick i mean a kid's going to pick up what they're interested in anyways right. and when they do pick something up you have to support that because you never know where that's going to lead yeah, totally. I mean, I tried to learn how to play guitar when I was like, I don't know, 14. I just didn't have any patience for it. Mm -hmm. And somehow or another, I got into radio. <laughs> I, I mean, that's I've, what happened. I've always been fascinated with bass. Um, like that's the one element that I hear the most out of all music is that I hear that bass line. So if it doesn't have the bass line, it doesn't do it for me. You know what I mean? Right. So what, what attracted you to the bass? Um... Man, I think it was just because it was low and it was meaty and it was, uh, no matter what, it's just a badass instrument in a way. Yeah. I know that guitar and drums are very flashy and it catches everyone's eyes and the bass is just something where it's just playing cool. And <laughs> usually there's a on ongoing joke with musicians that you don't really notice the bass player until he stops playing. Right. Very true. So how, how I explain the bass is you have, 
you have percussion, you have the rhythm of the, the song, and then you have the vocals, the melody, and they're two different sides of an Oreo. And what the bass is, is that middle part. It's that frosting where it grabs both the, the lead, the melody, the rhythm together and makes them work together. It makes it groove. It makes it a delicious cookie sandwich. <laughs> You're making me hungry. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. You can say that about almost every instrument. Like you, if you did to take away the drums, it would not sound the same. If you take away the guitar, it wouldn't be that good. If you took any, any element out of there, like there's people that, you know, do well with, with just a guitar and, and a drum set, but the bass is one of those core elements that you really need. Otherwise, you're just, it's two-dimensional to me. Yeah, um, like, I try to like the white stripes and I try to like the black keys, but I honestly, it, maybe it's a bias thing, but it's, you know, there's no bass in those bands. It's just guitar and drums. Yeah. Um, to me, it's a little boring. It, it could be a lot more melodic, but that's, that's their thing. That's their stick. That's their, you know. Right. Then you have a, you know, a group like um, 21 Pilots, mm -hmm. but the difference is there's no guitar. It's just bass and drums. It's like watching a black and white movie. You know, some people like yeah. it, but I prefer color. Yeah. So what brought you to Rockseller Magazine? Uh, well, my, uh, my fiance used to work for the owner with a, he, he owns multiple businesses and due to COVID and with gigs being canceled as, as a musician, pretty much every, every gig got tossed out of the calendar. Either it was, uh, you know, moved to next year or it's just completely canceled. Um, now there's honestly, there's zero gigs because mm. my job relies on a group, a large gathering of people. And that's what brings in the money. So my fiance hit up her old boss that happened to own this rock, uh, music magazine and uh, it was just kind of a, a, a toss in the dark pretty much of you know maybe he might respond he's a busy guy and uh, he responded right away saying you know what we've actually been looking for someone right you know in the last couple of days and this is perfect timing so it just yeah, it could have been divine intervention I'm not sure or just a coincidence but it worked out that I end up being someone with a more of a bigger knowledge of than someone they were expecting, which is actually a good thing. Yeah. So um, they didn't know what to expect because I was just recommended by my fiance and I just came in as just a dude. And uh, now it's been about a month and now I'm more than just a dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad yeah. that fell into your lab because, you know, you're doing a, a good thing for, you know, local artists, independent artists, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. You know, we all just how music has gone and selling your music, trying to make profit off your music is very hard to do, even though that's the reason. And that's, you know, that's the reason of the music industry, you know, is, is, is music. And that's what makes you feel. And that's, I mean, music is a thing and it's, it's living and breathing and it's, you know, constantly changing and genres are getting created and there's new genres every day. Um, but then it comes down to it with the people that create it, like what happens, how do they make money? And especially these days when everything is just streaming, the only thing you can rely on is either you're lucky enough to have your song uh, picked up by some type of DJ or you have luck with somebody that wants your song for a movie or for licensing of a commercial. Right. That goes to the songwriter, not necessarily the artist, unless the artist wrote it. 
Um, and then other than that, for the artist, the only thing that they got is these days is, I mean, it's been for a while, is to do a live show where their music is the advertisement for their live show that they can sell merch. Mm-hmm. Not only put on a good show. I mean, we all, you know, if you're a performer, if you're a musician, you love playing on stage. So that's, to me, that's not work. I mean, it's work if you're playing to two people in an empty room, then that's work. But if you're playing to a, you know, a good crowd that love your music, it's not work. You're both connecting. It's a relationship. You're connecting with each other. But as for money and making it a business, I mean, that's something separate. And, you know, an artist cannot make money off of, you know, these streaming platforms anymore. And no one's, I mean, it's, it's just, you're not even getting a penny for a listen. So you rely on someone that loves your music, that was touched by your live performance, that they would w- be willing to stand in line and buy some type of item from you, either a CD, a shirt, a sticker, right. you know, who knows what. And that's their way of giving back. Even though they bought the ticket, they know that that ticket probably, I hope people know this, that that ticket goes to the venue or to the booker, right? you know. Um, so when, when you're buying a merchandise item, that's going directly to the artist and that is supporting them and that's encouraging the artist to make more music. And hopefully it's a circle of life. It's a different, um, ecosystem out there, you know, producing the music and making it and then going on tour and then selling the merchandise. And then three of those elements are gone because of COVID-19. Right. All these artists are performing live streams, but are they making any money doing it? Which... They're probably not unless you got a no. donate link, but how many of those people are actually donating out of a hundred? Right. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a tough thing because now it's like anything. Imagine if someone figured out like Napster or like iTunes or like Spotify, they figured out something to do with electricity that everyone can get free electricity now. And it's no, you know, that industry would fall. But for some reason, I don't think that's going to happen because people are going to stop that from happening, but no one stopped that from happening with music. Yeah. So now it's a free thing. It's so, I mean, it, it evolves. It, it's up and down. So, I mean, with Rock Seller Magazine, what we're doing is we, we're trying to bring that back to life where a, a music lover can help out their favorite independent artist um the big artists the legacy artists man they're fine they're good they got they got royalties coming in you know and maybe a bunch of them yeah everyone's suffering but for an independent artist we're talking about we're talking about small business we're talking about like a local corner store compared to walmart and you know that small business is struggling you know there's so many hoops you have to jump through and you're the 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 returns are so small so what we're doing with this magazine is we're, we're reaching out to independent artists and we're giving them um, an, a new audience to be in front of as if they were on, back on tour, back on stage. And they're given the opportunity to sell their goods with us. Uh, we have a, a very large subscriber base that we, we actually send out a daily email uh, to these music lovers. And to get that audience in front of you, I mean, that's huge because yeah. a lot of people, you know, I ask these, you know, just like myself, you know, like you, you put a lot of money, you could put 20 to $60,000 into making an album and it's, you think it's great. And all your friends say it's great. And everyone around you says it's great. And then you're ready for this big release. And then you find out, oh, may, maybe the, the five grand that you save to promote 
isn't enough. You know, where do you find yourself after all of that? You know, after everyone that you've known within a certain proximity can listen and purchase your music, you know, what, how can you get further than that? And I feel like with the rock seller magazine, independent artist program, we are helping expand the artist's reach. Yeah, that's awesome. This is a surprise. Also in the house, we have Jeff Kazanov of Rock Seller Magazine. How are you doing? Yes. Oh, I'm doing great. Good to meet yeah. you. Pleasure yeah. to meet you. Let's give you a little bit of background. I was the founding editor uh, when Rock Seller started back in 2011. Kevin Wax, this is his labor of love. He's the one who started this. When he started, I was uh, one of only two people, I think, that we started on this and said, what's it going to be? So I helped him get it started. And I worked on it for maybe the first two years. And then we turned it over. I took off to Mississippi. And we have a, a guy here named Adrian Garrow, who's our content editor. And we sort of decided we're going to expand the Rock Seller brand mm -hmm. far beyond its original magazine concept our online magazine easing and uh and mike's come on to manage a whole bunch of the little extras that are that rock seller is going to be in terms of its brand rock seller now it started as just an online magazine and pretty much grew to establish itself as sort of like a modern day uh, rolling stones very similar in terms of the music that we covered it's more old school, classic rock, singer-songwriter. And what the concept was is Kevin was noticing that a lot of older musicians in the classic rock vein were, were still releasing music, but everybody either thought they died or they just weren't aware that they were putting out music. And some of these uh, artists were selling their CDs and, and vinyl out of their backs of their cars. They didn't have any more recording contracts. And so they were sort of big guys who were indie. And then there's a whole bunch of indie that came through the 90s that, that also could have used some exposure and nobody was hearing about all these releases. Right. So we started with that. And the next thing you know, we became sort of, we're probably only of a small handful that get the biggest interviews with the biggest celebrities from the old classic rock era, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And... Um, we want to expand beyond that. And to that end, we are having, um, we have Rock Seller TV, which is our own interview program, similar to yours. Uh, yeah. Nice. And we have uh, the independent artist thing, which yep. Mike's going to be at the helm. There's also, we have Rock Seller, the studios where we have a whole recording set up there with video cameras. Um, and to the, uh, with that, we're going to do a lot of uh, live stream events and specifically for charity. Rock cool. is affiliated with a charity called the Get Together Foundation, also run by Kevin and his wife, Mayor Wax. And their goal is get together and help these charities, uh, nonprofits with benefit performances, concerts, and all kinds of charity events where 100% of the money goes to the charity. There's no overhead. There's no employee fees. It's mm. all goes to charity. And uh, we've probably done uh, maybe, I don't know, 25 or 30 charitable events over the last dozen, dozen years. And now that's expanded to where they we're doing these streaming events. And the last one was a gigantic 
all together now, live streamed event. This was just, I don't know, a few months ago that was to raise money for COVID-19 here in Los Angeles. And it raised $110,000. It was streamed in 70 countries and had over 50,000 people watching it. Wow. Um, that was all connected to the Rock Cellar Magazine website and the our Get Together Foundation. It's branched out. We're sort of a relaunch, and uh, one of the major features is going to be what Mike's going to do. Well, thanks. I didn't. <laughs> While you guys talk, I want to read about KGUP a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I we haven't been around as long as you have. I mean, you you've been around since what 1997. That's okay. just crazy. Me personally, but the website has only been around <laughs> since 2011. So you're good. You beat us. Oh really? Yeah. 2011. Oh wow. Yeah, no, you're old school. Yeah, we started in 2012. <laughs> oh, okay, no, that. Oh, I thought you said 97. Yeah. Okay. So about the same. Yeah. Very cool. Just so, chill. who started the the magazine in the first place? That was Kevin. Kevin is uh, again. I don't want to go on long because I want this to be about Mike. But Kevin <laughs> Wax is his name. He's an old high school friend of mine. And he is, uh, his, his business is hemp, hemp, body, skin care, and hair care. Oh, and cool. he started uh, back in, boy, it's, see, the 80s, early, late 80s, wow. a company called Earthly Body. And I named the company, matter of fact. And uh, Earthly Body was one of the first companies ever to do hemp skin care and hair care. And it is branched out now. He's it's branched out to about six brands um, of hair care and skin care, all with either hemp or CBD in it. So that never runs out of fashion. Yeah. In fact, it's getting more fashionable every day. So he's done all right in that side of it. But that's that's his day job. And Kevin is also a longtime musician. He's been in uh, numerous and started numerous Los Angeles area bands and has always had an affection for being a, a musician and for being in the music world. And so I think he, he started Rock Cellar Magazine, never, you know, again, a labor of love for all the, the artists. And now this is just sort of an extension with Mike on site. You got to, as I mentioned, you got to just branch out a little bit and open our eyes as well as our readers' eyes. Yeah. Many years. And uh, I, I don't know what the end game is for now. I think he's just having fun, you know. And Kevin is is a, a, a good guy to know and his heart's in the right place. And it's usually to try and help out homeless people or some charity and in this case i think it's this idea of like everybody's been through you know a musician who's trying to find somebody that maybe that's that one person that goes you're the best thing that's ever been and and that, that's why they create to right. be able to touch one or a handful of people so it's going to be we'll see logistically how many we can handle and we want to give everybody their own day in the sun and like i said i think that's where it's an advantage right now as we build our stable of people that that are um, that we'd like to see promoted, you know. Yeah, right now it's it's uh, a smaller list, so the getting visibility is a lot easier right now. Before you know, we get too big, and well, and that's the whole thing. Is once we get hundreds, you know, we'll, we'll always have different ways to to help each individual, you know, artist out there, um, help them get in front of the right audience. I don't yeah. even know. This is a question I didn't even know from Mike whether or not you're gonna 
branch out individually outside of the country internationally, or we just keep it focused on the U.S. for now? Probably United States. Yeah, I mean that's for the legal team. Yeah, let them handle that. Music all over the world, so you know it's um, and new things happening all the time, and it's uh, it's still growing. So I mean, there's always you know everyone right now during this COVID time, they're ever you know everyone has these they're rebranded themselves, they're trying something new. People are willing to work together. And, you know, a lot of great things are gonna to grow together and we could even see social media and meet, just media in, in general is, is gonna start changing in the way that we use it and uh, advertise and, uh, you know, who knows what we can do with it that we haven't even imagined yet. And right. I think it comes down from collaboration. And we're collaborating right now. I'm looking, you got social media I can follow? Uh, yes, at KGUPFM. So Jeff, explain what, what, what do you do right now? Well, that's the thing. I was called in just temporarily to kind of re help relaunch this. Um, I still work for the other arm of the company promoting um, the seven hemp, six hemp brands. Mm. Um, so um, I'm not, I'm originally from California, but I live in Mississippi. Oh, okay. So this is and do everything, you know, remotely. Wow. And, computer so so kevin is a is a big uh social media guy so he helps put out you know the twitter facebook ads no i do you, mean. you do yeah, yeah that's what you said kevin. i said kevin, sorry <laughs> jeff yeah the touch of jeff at least for the hemp brands yeah well yeah. for rock seller you're doing that too mm-hmm so who does all the writing do, do you guys do any writing for for like the rock seller magazine yeah so different? we have editors we have multiple we have one guy um in building who writes all day long, hmm. puts it out. And he also, he's the one that puts out the, what we call the up to speed daily newsletter. And then we also have some offsite sources that are either contract or, you know, hire one-offs. And we have lots of uh, freelance help mm -hmm. and all the editing is pretty much done in house. I used to do it with, uh, now it's, we're looking for new writers and specifically write, Rock journalism, as you may know, just from watching uh, a couple of movies or listening, what, reading a couple issues of Rolling Stone, is prim primarily it's been white, older men. And, um, and the younger men became older men, and they stayed white, and they stayed pretty much old. So, um, <laughs> and a lot of the followers of classic rock music tend to be to that demographic, but partly... Yeah. Uh, because of my personal preference that I like to see different voices as an editor and partly because the emerging artist thing is a diverse kind of music and has a, a much more diverse right. listening base. We're hoping to widen our content, our editors and writers that are affiliated with the rock seller. We want, we're looking for more voices. So right. to that end, we're looking to hire this year a bunch of, Possibly it's mostly freelance, but uh, people who are, are examining the music business and new bands, but particularly women, we're looking for a lot like women that like to write about rock music and indie indie music. So again, that's a thing you can pass to me or if you run across somebody, pass them to Mike or me. We're, what, um, what's great is that we do have a huge subscriber base and now with this independent arts program, it's like the, the independent artists are now influencing the magazine itself. Mm -hmm. So now you, nice. you're seeing the crossover of this diversity 
this younger crowd, these independent go-getters are influencing just how, you know, the articles and, and just, you know, it might broaden the, the subscriber base. Nice. Everyone had these big dreams for this year. And that's, I think, what really, the hammer really crushed, you know, where we had all these, these ideas and, and 2020 was going to be the best year yet. And, you know, all these great ideas that are going to happen. And then that gets taken away and you have to start from scratch again. And right. uh, it's, you can't, you have to put those ideas to the side and, and now you're back at square one and, and you're looking at yourself saying like, well, without this, who am I? Mm-hmm. What else do I have? And it seems like a lot of it is when we look deep down inside and I see it with everybody, when we start building a, something new from this, it's helping each other actually a lot more than it right. was. Right. That's what I'm, I'm personally seeing. Yeah. I think Mike has a great perspective being a music, working musician. And uh, we see a lot of people that don't are, are retooling themselves and doing um, podcasts, doing live streaming, streaming on all the different channels. And there's the, the talent still there, the musicianship, the creative writing is still, and they need an audience for it. And I think we're reforming just like you're having to do in your business. Like we're going to have to do things on Zoom or we're going to have to do things on a live stream. And, and now people are finding out, well, there are willing people that are willing to pay for a live stream. And we believe that there's a whole bunch of artists out there who are particularly struck by this COVID and, and could use a little boost and a little support, a little promotion, a little way uh, to get more exposure. Right. And we want to be not just for the old, you know, Roger Daltrey and Paul Rogers and Nancy Wilson of Hart, you know, they're, they're pretty well set for life. But a lot, of the, a lot of the young emerging artists could use just a little bit of help, and it really helps us to kind of expand, you know, let people know how much good music is out. Little help goes a long way. Yeah. You, you know, you mentioned some of those artists. I mean, some of them, you know, they had successes back in the 80s, but these days, I mean, they relied on, on touring. And that's how they were making their money because no one really buys music anymore. It's, it's really, it's all touring and people who buy music is it's kind of a momentum. They, they want to have a signed CD and they want to have a signed poster. I mean, that's half the excitement of seeing someone live is getting the merchandise. Speaking of merchandise, tell us about these, like the CD program. Yeah. Um, well, we recently, I think what, two weeks ago, found out that CD Baby has canceled their CD distribution and their uh, their CD division. And I actually heard from a personal friend of mine that he got a notification from CD Baby that they're mailing him his CDs back or they don't want his CDs. They're just mailing him CDs that they have in their warehouse. So now they're actually physically sending everything back to the artist. So with that news, we were thinking, okay, well, you know, obviously that uh, format of uh, just merchandise and music. I mean, it's, it's, it's getting old. And there is a market for it. And yes, you can get a signed album at a concert. You can pick up a shirt. And it does fall into the merchandise, memorabilia kind of category. But now without these live shows, the stuff's just sitting at home. And, and right. I mean, if you're a small artist and you got a website, that only goes so far. I mean, if you got millions of people following you, there, I mean, that's a whole other piece. You got people can go to your website and there's a, a, an even flow of, of something coming in daily. But when you're, when you're small and, 
it doesn't mean your music's not as good. It just means that you just didn't have this huge machine behind you. And it just means that you paid out of your pocket to do everything yourself. You know, you're a small business. It's totally different. When you take that one source, since everything's streaming now, you take that one source away. And it was kind of the only, almost the only thing that, I mean, even with some signed artists, you know, they're kind of signing their music rights away. And it's kind of been that for a while where you're signing your publishing away, even the masters and the uh, mechanicals of it but you are relying on the music is helping you promote to do your live show and you can sell your merch. Some, you know, sometimes there's a, you know, venue fee or there's a, a label will ask for a percentage of your merch, but that's how these guys were making money for sure. And now you take that away. You're left with nothing. You're at home with a stack full of stuff. I mean, how do you move it? And everyone's kind of dumbfounded because everyone put their eggs in this one basket in a way. Right. So our thought was, I know this is a long explanation, but our thought was, why don't we help these artists get in front of an audience, a large audience, and which is our subscriber base. You know, we're putting them, it's almost like we're putting them on stage again, you know, in front of a new crowd. Maybe a first time listener, that's going to be a fan. And we're going to give that listener the opportunity to buy the CD. You know, if, if we can, if a, an artist can create a fan out of it, of course, they're probably going to sell a CD. We're making available digital downloads. So if someone doesn't want a CD, some artists don't have CDs. I've heard that some of these artists threw their CDs away, tossed them because they're like, well, I kind of made my money back. No one's buying these. I had to move twice. Now I'm, you know, I've got to throw them away. Or some other people are like, yeah, I don't even know where they are. So we have that option for a digital, you know, download as well. Right. So if someone, I believe, if someone becomes a fan, which is this, I feel like the very beginnings of music, you become a fan, you want something and you want to help them. You have something that you have that means something to you, but you're also giving. So it's a give, it's a give and take, but both people are winning kind of a deal, you know? And it's funny yeah. how music will create that on its own. Just the creation of music. The creation yeah. of music inspires a ton of things. Yeah. I've had music in my life my entire life, so I can't imagine not having it. So, which is why we support independent music. I mean, it, it's very vital to our health, our, our existence, just our daily lives. I mean, I constantly have music playing. So to not support the musicians who create this music is, is kind of a it's theft. If, if we don't if we don't do something monetarily to help these artists from struggling absolutely it's i guess you guys are in touch and, and artists that you may know that you could let mike know about and yeah, definitely uh, ones that you think that are deserving or struggling or are under the radar that probably should be heard it'd be great anything that you know, you're probably more in touch than Kevin and I am in terms of emerging artists or ones that are that really should be heard by a wider uh, range. And that's what we're hoping is that people that are my age that grew up with classic rock music, it's not that they're repelled or turned off by younger music in a lot of cases. They don't hear it all. Right. They might hear what's on top, whatever it was called, Top 40, you know, now it's mainstream commercial radio iHeartRadio or something, and, and it may not just be what they like, but there are so many new bands that are that evoke some of the classic acts in terms of their songwriting chops and, and their playing, and it's a lot of things that that my generation and, and even younger people than I am that really do like all the way down to the youngest kids that are... I remember when First Aid Kit broke, 
And all I had to do was to my old timey friends just go, just listen to this band. And it wasn't something that they were used to or knew or whatever. And I, every time I would play them, they became a, it was like they had a wide range of fans and, and it was old as young and they played played some of the music from the classic rock era and it, and it was so fitting because they, they got it and, mm-hmm. and were able to translate that to their younger audience and of course they're probably old timers now. <laughs> yeah, um, unless you're on the ground floor and you're out there seeing live bands every week, it, you could lose touch easily and right. not discover bands that you should be discovering. And now that we can't go to these clubs, it's a lot different and you have to rely on social media to find these artists. And, and uh, it's totally different. I mean, I've, I got through this like little period where I'm like, I don't know how to find new bands now. <laughs> Right. But you just listen to other people talk, and and so you you're still able to to find new artists. You just have to dig, and yeah. uh, we go we get a lot of submissions, you know, dozens of submissions every day, and that's another way we filter through our music. Yeah, it's interesting because there are websites out there that kind of do this already, mm-hmm. but I, the feedback I'm getting is that there's not. I would say there's not enough because, you know, you have a, a website like Bandcamp, which is great. And they're helping mm-hmm. the biggest bands to the, the, the youngest bands in, in sorts of career. And everyone's on there. It looks cool. There's a lot of options. You can donate, you can listen, you can stream, you can download, you know, buy merch. I mean, it's great. And it's, it's set up really well. And I, I, I like it. And, the thing is, the number one I asked, what is something that you would change or something that they're missing? What what are where are they dropping the ball? And they say it's everything's great except I am no different than being on iTunes where you have to know my name or my album to find me. If mm-hmm. you're trying to go on the discovery section, you'll never find me. So either because they didn't they're not paying money to be on it or their editors didn't find them or it's just like Spotify too. So they said, how can I find my audience? And I think that is a general universal question for every independent artist is how do I find my audience? So that is something that I am working on with this program is how can we get these guys, you know, with the right listeners and people that are music lovers. Um, mm. There's a lot of people that use music as, you know, just a form of entertainment. You know, I can ask some young kids right now. And when you talk about a song, the first thing they talk about is their TikTok dance or <laughs> the dance, you know, and it's not about the music. It's about the dance to the song. Right. And it becomes this entertainment thing, which is great. We all need to be entertained and it's movie. We watch movies and, you know, but when it comes down to a music lover, you know, you're loving the music, you're in it, you're, it, it's a whole other beast. And how do you find those people? You yeah, because they're all playing a song that everybody already knows. Right. That's yeah. the problem. That's true. That's why Rock Seller Magazine is so important. That's why KGP is so important. It's to help find, you know, get those artists discovered by people who wouldn't find it in the first place. Absolutely. Know? Well, anything you can do to spread the word that we're, now is a really good time for young bands or old bands. Could be somebody's, in, some guy sent us a, an appeal. He said, I'm 72 years old and he self-produced his own CD and he wants us to listen to it. And we will, you know. Yeah. Um, probably put him on there and you know he'll be right up against some 18 year old and it'll be just fine for us but any uh, right now it's really good for anybody that's within your listening audience or friends of yours people that you know bands that you know um, some people are set they don't need the extra promotion they you know it's just 
we're not, you know, they're, they're working out of their website or their YouTube and they're fine. But being, most musicians that we've seen, we're not going to get rich on this. We know that. And the CD technology is probably going to be a thing of the past pretty soon. But we're hoping, you know, if they do have vinyl, if they do have digital downloads, if they have anything else to promote in terms of their merch, or I think Mike's going to have a section that, you know, they can, it's like a little mini promotion feature area for them. But now is a good time yeah. because we're looking, actively looking to build our archive of talented, possibly unheard bands and artists. And if nothing else, it really, there's really nothing to lose for any of these artists. It doesn't cost anything. And, yeah. you know, uh, like I said, they're going to be getting, if there's a, you know, whatever our cut is, you know, of anything that's sold, it's, <laughs> it's going to be pennies compared to anybody else that, th that they've ever worked with and had distribute for them. So right. I think it's, you know, that's not our goal. Our goal is we want to have people come to our site and follow our social media and just build more eyes on our, um, what we do. More awareness, and, yeah for our charity events and so on. And we just think that we've been, we've been a little bit too narrowly focused on older music and need to get, we need to get a little bit hit. <laughs> Finally. It's Sorry. easy to get trapped in that. It's just human nature. As know? long as the old people <laughs> cranking out new music, you know, we're going to have a, there's a market for it. So um, I was just talking about the Runaways, Cherie Curry. I don't know if you're familiar with the Runaways. Yep. They're uh, already old, but, they were like, they're not classic rock. They came afterwards. And Cherie is uh, a local. She's very close to where we are here. And she does chainsaw art. and uh, But has also had a burgeoning, re-burgeoning <laughs> yeah. you know, career. Her out, and she's turned out quite a bit over the last few years. Just, and it's been people like us that go like, you know what? The girl can still sing. She can right. still put together a good band. And even younger people like it. But vice versa, people that listen to sh the Runaways would be really, could find right, a lot of right. Mike's bands that they would right. love. Yeah. And and what, one cool, uh, you know, feature I want to just mention, you know, like, love it to be where these legacy artists, these bigger artists are right next to the independent artists. And that's what we're trying to put them in the same spot and not be like a band camp, which they kind of have that, but it's how can, you could be attracted to an independent artist by a legacy artist you know mm -hmm. and that's just one way you know if you if this person kind of you know their roots and they have this kind of a let's say a bob dylan sound well great you know if if you read something about bob dylan on the site that should direct you to oh let, check out this person you know they kind of sound similar you might like them and boom you're you that person found that audience that they've been looking for yeah but what i've noticed in a lot of these streaming websites or platforms is that if you begin a playlist with a major artist, you almost never hear someone who's barely being introduced. So there is an independent artist out there that has a similar sound. You may not ever hear that artist. You would have to find that artist first in order for the other artists to be discovered in that same pool. I, I would love to read that contract that uh, the labels had signed with um, Spotify recently. Why would they sign that contract unless it benefited them? You know, so it's, it's kind of interesting how everything works these days and how these algorithms kind of push out the indie artists so the majors will always get that first listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it's interesting, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure everyone in this, you know, this evolving music industry is everyone's trying every idea and, you know, hopefully one of those ideas hits. <laughs> and if it does, then, you know, 
as bad as it is, they're going to go with it. Yeah. What is the Emerge Radio Networks? I don't know. We play music like this. Got a glass half empty in my mind because I'm a cynical, clinical, cyclical bitch with a love addiction I cannot quit. We play none of this. Sky rockets in flight. Afternoon delight. Whoop. You guys have it, I think. Huh. Afternoon delight. We play more of this. Stay on KGUP1065.com. Why listen to anything else? Are you currently working on any projects or? Um, so I've been getting a lot of requests to do a new album and yeah, you know, I'm down to do another album and do it the exact same way as I did before. Um, it's going to sound different. Um, but to me, I mean, I'm kind of a guy that is, you know, I go all out or, or I don't go at all. Yeah. So for me, it's all about timing and yes, I had, great plans of doing a new record this year and then you know COVID hit because I was planning on doing another Kickstarter but it's to me it's not wise to to ask for money during times when nobody has money and <laughs> those people are asking right. for money so it's it's just waiting for the right time to launch another Kickstarter to get the the great thing about this Kickstarter approach you know and you can use a different platform too but if you have a CD and you're hoping people will buy it, most likely you're only going to sell so much. But if you tell people, if you give me the money first, I will make the album. For some reason, psychologically, people are okay with that and more people are willing to donate. Interesting. So that's my approach is it's, it's just working a little bit different. You're working a little backwards, but it works better. You ask, I will make the album if you give me the money. And I, just like the, my, this Love and War project, you know, I, I was able to raise $40,000 just amazing. by asking that. Yeah. Yes, I did have help with being in that Disney show and, you know, having just, you know, putting promotion out there and stuff. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of work. It, it's not just, hey, I, it's just not just asking randomly what days. You have to really put a, a, a campaign together in a pre-campaign. You have to put a campaign before the campaign. And then you do the thing. So anybody out there that's listening that is independent, that is maybe have thought or in the past or want to do it, do the crowdfunding thing, it is possible. Um, mm. You just, you need to do your research. And huge pointer and one big advice I could give is you need to approach your first day. Let's say you do a 30-day campaign and you need to raise let's say $20,000 in 30 days. And you're like, that's a lot of money. I only have 30 days. You're sweating because other platforms will, will say, oh yeah, like you can have as much time as you want. Well, what you need to do is you have to pick 30 days. You have to give people a time frame because people do things last minute. Right. People will donate on the very last day. Now, what if you don't get them on that last day? You're, you're screwed. So how do you do that? Well, 
you need to make a campaign. You get to ramp up this Kickstarter so big that on, for the, you get them ready for that first day, day one, that they're ready to donate on the very first day. So you make it like a movie. You know, a lot of movies out there are, you know, they are rated and their profits are pretty much distinguished on their first weekend of release. Right. So you have to look at it as that you may need to put three months of yourself ahead to promote for that number, that first day, the day the movie comes out, the, the day that the campaign comes out, because people will be mentally ready. They'll save up money or maybe if they're into it, they could donate more that way. And so you ramp it up. You let everyone know, I'd rather put all my advertising money into the days before the campaign rather than during the campaign because if you do it during the campaign people will brush it off until the last minute and then you may lose out on life happens right oh i was right. going to donate on that last day and be the last backer well <laughs> now you know so and so's dog died or you know something well i, I mentioned dog because i heard a dog on there but just <laughs> something happens that now they completely forgot or now they got life happened or now they're moving, uh, they're on a vacation, they got asked for work, whatever. So you want, it's kind of like you want all those donations on day one and then have the rest of the days as a buffer for the people that did not donate on that day. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's to me what a winning strategy is for Kickstarter. A lot of people just throw up the Kickstarter and hope. You can't hope yeah. on that. You have to know. Yeah, because you were six days away from not getting the funds that you needed. And for some reason, you got that one person that made that $5,000. I, I just watched the documentary like yeah. an hour before we, we got on the line together. <laughs> so how that worked is like, now think of it. That guy, his name is Marcus. He donated a huge lump sum, which avalanched a ton. I think it was like, it was a kind of, I, I do think it is a coincidence in a way. I think this is what happened. So, you know, I did this huge campaign. We got the first 24 days, which we were doing great. The, the first two days were awesome. Yet I was still, what, I think 10 grand or 12 grand away from hitting my goal. And I had six days left. And so, yeah, people were sweating bullets. But it did take that individual 24 days to make that decision to donate five grand. Yeah. You know, it rather than you know, if you didn't do all that pre-campaigning, that person could have like seen your campaign on that sixth day. Then what if that person had to take another 24 days to get, but then the campaign's over, right? So you're giving people the opportunity to donate more. You're giving the people, you know, opportunity to think of what they can do to help you. And, you know, he did out of the kindness out of his heart and he got this live show and he got to be the star of the live show. So there's this great reward that, came with that big purchase yeah and i credit him for you know for starting a avalanche of other donations after that but it, it just so happened that when he donated that day also i had people on the east coast promote and then because of that big donation kickstarter threw it up on their front page saying mm. this is trending this is happening right now so then yeah. you have all these new people hitting the home page saying wow uh, Love and War is up there. I'm going to check it out. And they donated. So it did avalanche something, but it was also, a, I would say, a coincidence that other people happened to fall on the page as well. Yeah. Nice story, man. Uh, congratulations yeah. on the album. I, I just listened Thanks. to it and it's pretty freaking phenomenal. 
And uh, I definitely recommend everybody to, that's listening to check it out. Thanks, man. It was fun to do. It was a lot of work, but um, it, it just don't, if, if you're not satisfied, just keep going. Put out the best you can. You know, there's so much technology now and there's so many good people. Just don't settle for a, a deal. Do it right. Yeah. And it happens so often because, you know, a lot of people just don't have the money to budget for that kind of a, a project. And it shows in the final product of what you spent. So right. if you only have and, a budget for $1,100, then that's what you're going to get out of it. Right. And what I did also is I used, I wouldn't say capitalized, but I, I'm a bass player. How do I get people to donate that much money for a bass player who doesn't sing, who's mm-hmm. not necessarily a songwriter? Like that's kind of, you know, like you have to think like, how does that, okay, I have all these odds against me. Well, how do, you know, how do I make it happen? Well, I have to know my weaknesses. I need to, I, I have to know my strengths. My strengths are I have, I have great relationships with people that have tremendous amount of talent that people that have followings as well. So with this album, there's 35 musicians on there and a bunch of them have big followings and you, well, you throw those people on there, Yeah. you know, they get to be on the album. They get to be part of a cool project. Meanwhile, their fans, their fans are helping fund your project. That's crazy. 35 musicians. <laughs> That's a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I went overboard. <laughs> and, and you were overseeing the whole project. So, I mean, you know, from the documentary, I mean, you were critiquing very hard because, you know, you had a very particular sound that you wanted it to have. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, just not settling. I, I wanted it to meet up to the standards of something that is current. In not as as genre, but as quality. Right. You know, how does this stack up to a, you know, who's current right now? A Drake album or how can this compare? And I know you're comparing low budget to a million dollar, but I mean, how close can you get that? And how how hard it's it's possible. You just you got to you got to know people that get your vision and know what you want. And then what you do is you grab the best people that are the best at their particular strengths, just like. An Olympic team, you grab the best people in the country, you put them on a team, and then you demand more from them. Yeah. And that's how you win gold medals. Well, Mike, I, th- I think we've talked our, our audience's ear yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> great. Uh, it's a great way to close the show is if you have plans to do your own Kickstarter. I mean, this is kind of like a step-by-step. So thank yeah. you for that. That's awesome. No problem. Yeah. So thank you for and- coming on the show. And um, hopefully when this all goes back to normal if we ever have a normal you know we should get together and maybe we can do something <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll definitely do something we'll hang and also for all the listeners if you are an artist and you, you do you know you are trying to figure out you know what to do during these times what i'm putting together with rock seller magazine is something that i stand behind and that i will help you know myself personally to help you get going So this is, you know, I'm not saying this is the only platform that you need to be a part of. This is not exclusive, but Mm -hmm. it's definitely something that I'm willing to help you on. And why not? I mean, if you want your stuff out there, you need to be on everything. Right. You know, you need, you need to get your name. You need to get your music out to as many platforms as possible. And, um, and this is definitely one that could definitely benefit you in some sort. Yeah. I mean, all too often I see artists, you know, they stick their nose up to something because they, th- they feel like they can cherry pick what platforms they want to be on. So 
And then in the long run, sometimes that ends up hurting them when they should yeah. really be everywhere as much as possible. Right. Yeah. That's what record labels do. So why can't, you know, why can't you do that? Yep. That's what a record label was. It's distribution. You distrib- distribution onto a radio station, distribution to Walmart, distribution to the Tower Records. You know, this is the you know, old school format, but that's what record labels do. They're putting you on YouTube. They're putting you on this. They're advertising for you. It's distribution, distribution, get you in front. If you don't have that, you got to be doing it yourself. Yep. And if something is a, you know, if someone is a, a giving you this risk-free, it doesn't cost anything, just do it. Yeah, it's a good opportunity. Cool, well, man. Mike, it was great seeing you. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me on here. <laughs> well, you have a great day and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you later. Sounds good. All right, thanks, take, take care. Thank you for tuning into this episode of KGUP Presents. Be sure to click that subscribe button so you don't miss an upcoming show because you're not going to want to miss our next episode as we head to the outback of Australia and feature the one and only Jaguar Jones. And she has a great story to share with us. From all of us at the KGUP studios in Los Angeles, this is Mikey J. I'm out. Just to